Well, last week was super fun that Monday night or Monday afternoon, and it was it was great. Even the rain was fantastic. But that that frisbee game was intense. I hadn't run that hard in a long time, and it was Tuesday was brutal. That's all I got to say. <laughs> um, so, uh, anyways, thanks for coming out, guys. I had a lot of fun, and um, yeah. If you have your cell phones, would you get them out today? Uh, this is how we do um, attendance. If you're new, uh, join us. I'm going to ask you to text our church phone number, which is 777-3520, 777-3520. If you don't want us to know who you are or that you came, then don't do anything right now. But um, we, we ask everyone to text us, and then we'll text you back, and then you text us back, and then we give you like a snazzy little gifts that we've got in the back of the booth back there, whoop, whoop, in the back area there, and uh, after service. And so uh, that'll be cool. I got my notes upside down here, um, and uh, that's going to be rough to read there. And uh, so I'm going to pray, and we're going to get started. Um, and about that, yeah, I got a bone to pick with Rachel. What do you mean we laugh when I pray? What, 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 what was that all about? Like, we all laugh when I pray. Thanks. Thanks a lot. So I'll laugh at you. Laugh when you sing. How's that? Uh, <laughs> no, we don't. No. I get goosebumps when she sings. All right. Uh, so anyways, uh, dear Jesus, help. Amen. Cool. Um, I just don't know what else to pray. I mean, I think about it, and I'm like, you know, we could, like, I don't know. Yeah. Last week, we started a series called Pursuit, and um, I'm just going to recap last week really closely, really quickly. Um, we, we, we used uh, John 3.16. We said, so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And, and basically, just trying to get back to the heart of, of, of the gospel, and I think that John 3.16 really encompasses all of it, right? That God really likes human beings, which we are all included in. And um, the, the, so what I've learned is that as people, we've kind of forgotten a couple things. And so I wanted to get us all back to two common thoughts. One, um, the way that, um, that you see yourself from God's perspective, that God likes you. And that God enjoys you, and that God loves you, and that God wants you. And if we don't see that, we do a lot of things in life wrong. Um, I'm going to come back to that thought here in a minute. The second thing that we talked about last week was what well, we used the, the story of Hosea, which is in my top five favorite stories in all of the, of the Bible. And Hosea is a prophet in the Old Testament who um, married a, a prostitute. And the story was really... God trying to change the DNA of this guy who was a mouthpiece of God um, to really understand the concept of heartache and love and passion that he has for his people. And uh, he married someone who was unfaithful to him. And it, it really changed his mindset of how God pursues his people based on how he pursued his bride. And, uh, and I, I thought it was awesome. And so the two things we really wanted to get out of last week was... Um, the way that you see yourself matters in that God sees you regardless of whether you believe you're faithful or not. He sees someone that he loves and adores and cherishes. And then two, how, how you see the world. And uh, it, really, it really does bother me when we as the church look at other people as less than or we see them as dumb or stupid or, or whatever because they don't make the same life choices as we have. And the problem I have with that is not that uh, they may be being dumb or foolish or stupid in that moment, but 
It's that we're ignorant of the reality that we have a lifelong history of also being dumb, stupid, and foolish. And, um, and so it, it's that we have to be able to look at other people in the same lens of recognizing what he's done in us. And if, if we miss that, we, we trip over the whole gospel. Um, so anyways, uh, well, the way you see yourself matters from his eyes, and the way you see others matters. With that being said, we're going to jump into today's lesson in pursuit, and I think that this is going to be neat where we go with this. I'm hoping it's encouraging to you, um, and yeah, this I should have prayed here, but I didn't. Help anyway. All right, cool. Here we go. Uh, so uh, the the things that that we pursue matter. Um, I was thinking about the the way that we pursue the things that we want most in life. Uh, we go all in for. So what is it that you love the most in life? The things that matter the most and are the most significant to you. How do you pursue them? And uh, and I think about. So the other day, um, I got really excited about something that I was interested in pursuing. I took my son uh, last week. Um, Amanda allowed she allowed, lent me her husband for the day and this beautiful boat that they got. And uh, we took my son on this boat with with Chris and we went fishing. And uh, I don't know if if any of you fish, but uh, when you fish, uh, it, it's it's important everything that goes into it. I mean, like, and so I had to, I prepared uh, like two nights before all the stuff mentally that I had to have in the suitcase to go on this overnight trip, and I wanted to make sure that we had the right gear on, and what happens in case it rains, and, uh, you know, we got to make sure we're wearing the right stuff for the photo, we're going to have all the right snacks for when we're on the boat, and I'm just thinking about all the things, you know, the sun, and the, the rain, and everything, and that doesn't even include the right lures, the right line, the right poles, the right uh, de-hooking thing with jiggers, the, the right scales, the, and there were so many things that went into going on this fishing trip that blew my mind, and all I had to do was bring my kid. Chris was like, just, you guys just come, and I'll take care of everything else, and I still wanted to make sure that everything was right, and I think about how this works, and when you're pursuing something that matters, you know, if a guy is going on, his, on, a, on a hunting trip, he's got to have the right boots in case he steps in something, right? He's got, he can't just have shoes. He's got to have the right boots. He's got to have the right pants. He's got to have the right jacket. He's got to have the right shirt on because when it gets warm, then he wants to take his jacket off and he's got to have the right shirt on underneath that. And then he's got to have the right hat, the right camo, the right face paint. He's got to have the right binoculars. He's got to have the right scent. Man, dudes wear urine when they go out in the woods because they want to have the right smell because they're after something. They're pursuing something that's significant to them, and they want to make sure that they have the right gun, the right ammo, what happens if this goes on, what happens, and, and they have the backup gun, and they have, the, and they have so many things they're thinking about, and what happens when they climb the tree? Do they, I mean, there is a million things that's going in. Why? Because they're pursuing something. Now, it's not just men. You girls do it too. There was a day when going to the beach was just bringing a towel and having the right shorts on. But that day is coming gone. I mean, we. I mean, it's gotta. You gotta have the right. Your phone's gotta be fully charged when we get there because we gotta have the right tunes. We gotta have the right speaker. We've gotta have the right uh, lotion on and the backup lotion and the sunglasses and the. I mean, the right bathing suit and we gotta get the right selfie. The right selfie at the beach is significant. And there are so many things that go into stuff that matters. And I'm thinking about that in other ways. I was thinking about me and the way I cook steaks. 
I got to have everything right. The, the, the tank has to be right, or the coals have to be just right, and uh, I got to have the right steak knife and things, and I, I got to have the right seasonings. I mean, that is massively important, and the right timing when I turn it, and I got to have the lines in the steak. That is, it, it, there's just something, uh, um, excuse my language, sexy about the lines on the steak. It's, it's just... It makes it taste better. Uh, it doesn't, but it does. You know what I mean? It, when you see it there sitting, and the, when you things that matter most to you, you 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 put the most effort into pursuing. And think about it: uh, your first job, or that job that you wanted, uh, the education that you that you wanted. I mean, when you started these things, we set out with the right our first date. Right? When we were going on that first date, everything was right. We thought it through. Guys, some of us wrote poems. Some of us brought flowers. Some of us uh, brought, we definitely, you all had the right cologne on. And I guarantee it wasn't deer urine. You know what I mean? Like you thought about what you smelled like before you got there. And uh, you combed your hair. You opened the door. You thought about a lot of things. And so I think about that with a lot of other things that matter most in our life. It could be our ministries. It could be our callings, it could be our marriages, it could be our first home. But what I think about the most is in our pursuit, the greatest and the strongest leaders, the ones that will make lifelong lasting impact are the ones that can have pursuit with longevity. Because the ones, the marriages that work the most are the guys that remember that it's not the pursuit, but it's what you do with the catch after you catch it. And some of us have forgotten how to pursue after we've caught. It's like, I got it now. I don't need to put on a nice shirt anymore. I don't need to comb my hair. I don't need to get flowers. I don't need to put perfume on. Most dudes should not put perfume on, right? <laughs> Let me just throw that out there. Uh, but, I mean, you, know, you might cover up whatever you got going on. You be you, dude. All right, anyways. You do you, boo. Okay. Um, but I'm thinking about that, like how some of us, we dreamt about this house that we got, and now we have it, and we've let it go. We've, we've, we've dreamt about this marriage that we have, or this relationship, or this friendship that we have, and then we've let it go. We've dreamt about this job that we have, and now we've let it go. And, uh, and I think if we really want to be significant, we have to think about life after the catch. You have to pursue continually. You have to be steadfast in it. And I'm going to read you a scripture here. It's, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And, and I, I think about some of the greatest Christians that I've ever met. Man, it's, I, I, I love praying with older, older, older in the faith women and older in the faith men. It's like when you get in a room with people that know how to pray and have been doing it for years, on a drop of a hat, the anointing is there and there's something that's just awesome. They know how to do it. And it's, they've, they've maintained a consistency in their tone of heart through the years. What matters most to you and are you still pursuing it? Like, like some of us, the dream was to have kids. And it wasn't just to have kids, but it was to raise them and do life with them. And we have to learn to be intentional with those kids and have lifelong discipleship moments in those things. What matters most to you and are you pursuing it in the same steadfastness that you started with years ago? Man, I think that that's huge. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, you all know it. It says that the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, but it's long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 
gentleness, self-control. And I think that these things are important because it's going gonna, it's gonna to require discipline for you to have consistency in that thing that you want day after day, year after year, decade after decade. And some of us have lost that. But the greatest leaders and the people that will have the most lasting impact are people that are willing to recognize what they've let go of in their approach to what matters most to them, and they'll get after it. Do you have discipline in your life, long-suffering discipline and self-control? Uh, so I'm thinking about what matters most, and are we still going all in? And, and as, as a pastor, uh, I, I've circled just a couple things that I, I think should matter most to you based on what I understand the gospel to say. And so point number two and three is, is really not going to be as practical, but it's going to be more spiritual. And so I, I, I want to always come back to this because this is what the scripture says is most important, that we learn to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. What, what did I, the heart, what, I don't know what I just said. I know it wasn't right. Dustin, he, he, he's with me. So uh, that we learn to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we love our neighbors as though they are ourselves. And so the way that you love and the way that you pursue, I believe, will have lasting impact. And so here's what I want you to remember. The things that you love, I believe that God put in your heart. And I think that we can abandon good things for things that are not as good, when we lose sight of the Lord. We can make idols of things that were intended to be good in our life. Like your marriage was intended to be good. Your friendship was intended to be good. That relationship was intended to be good. That job was intended to be good. But when you lose sight of the Lord in doing those things, man, you can really make a mess of things. And so I want to just remember today, are we pursuing the Lord with the same intensity that we started with. Hmm. Let me read you a verse. Uh, no, I'm going to wait. Uh, many. Uh, so point number two is uh, uh, the, the way we pursue the Lord matters. And, and here's what I'm seeing that's happening in, the, in, 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 in churches and in Christianity as a whole. And I, I think that it, it's dangerous. Many of us have insecurities in our life. And we live life through this lens. And so we'll, many of us will serve the Lord in and through the lens of an insecurity. And, and this, this is actually, man, it's so destructive. I can't even begin to tell you. Let, let, me, let me show you. Uh, many of us serve the Lord believing that we're not good enough. And what happens is when, when you see life in that lens... When, when you don't understand that you are good enough and that he loves you, you overcompensate. You strive. There's no peace. When we don't learn to let him love us and we buy into the reality that he died for me, now everything that I'm trying to do isn't working and it's not good enough. I mean, it's like I'll never make enough money. I'll never, I'll never be good enough. I'll never be accepted i'll never be embraced I'll, and there's a difficulty thing when we learn like you have to be able to stand before your creator and say i'm me and i'm good because if not man there's a lot of destructive things that will happen in all of our other relationships 
And I see insecurity in the church. I see shame. I see frustration. I see like panic, like people are just grossed out like I'm a failure and I've done wrong and I've done wrong and I've done wrong. And this is a horrible way to serve God in the church. Like we're making our greatest attempt, like I want to do great things for you, God, but I suck. And I, I can't pray. I'm not good at, at, at singing. I'm not good at, you know, obviously you've seen all of us dancing today, right? So like, uh, I'm not good at a lot of things. And so we feel like our efforts are now in vain. And we, now how do we even move past that? Like if we can't be good sons and daughters of God, what else is there? Like how do we move on from life from there until we can really buy into the reality that the way that we pursue the Lord is already okay? Um, many of us are, are still trying to become good enough. Let me read you a verse here that I thought was pretty cool. It's in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 and 2. And he says, but now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. He says this, he says, fear not, for I have redeemed you, and I have called you by your name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. Why is this significant? Because I know that some of you are going to go to work tomorrow. And there's going to be moments in your life where you're going to feel like you're not good enough for your boss, or you're not good enough for your job, or you're not good enough for your marriage, or you're not good enough for your children, or you're not good enough for your friendships, or you're not good enough to ask that girl on a date, or there's a lot of things that happens out of insecurity, and it starts with us forgetting this. that When God says that you're good, what else matters? You're good. And out of that, he will help you develop relationships, and he will bring people into your life, and he will put you in the right job where you will flourish. But you all, we all have to buy into the first reality that when we pursue him, we're good enough because he's pursuing us. When he says that I will be with you, I believe that. I love what he says, and, and he says it through the trials of life, right? Like, fear not, because I've redeemed you, and I've called you by my name, by your name. You are mine, and when you pass through the waters, and life is going to get hard. Like, there's going to be things in life that tries that. People are going to tell you that you're not good enough, or that you can't be, or that you will never be, and you have to learn to buy into what the Lord is saying so you can pursue him. Most of the warfare of life, I think, is being. Just convincing yourself that I am good and I can. I, I love this. Uh, in the scriptures, the Lord would say again and again and again that I'm with you. I think it's a confidence builder. Now, so what I'm talking about, I think the first thing that we need to do first in life before we buy that house and before we get married and before we do is we want to make sure that we're doing all of these things with God, right? We're pursuing him and he's leading us through life to make wise decisions with him. So when I get married, I, me and the Lord are marrying somebody else. Does that make sense? Whenever I choose my next job, me and the Lord are choosing a career path that's going to affect whomever God puts in my life. 
So why it's important when the Lord says, fear not, for I will be with you, he says it this way, I will be with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Fear not, for I am with you. He says this again and again and again and again and again and again and again. He says, I am with you. And so I'm talking about today in your pursuit of God before everything else that matters in your life. Remember that you are good enough because he's committed to being with you. And I think that's one of the greatest compliments that we can have on this earth is that we have a God that is chosen to walk by us through all of the stuff that we're going through. I don't want to be dramatic, but I, I, I don't know if there's anything that I'm ever going to say that's ever going to be more important than us learning to say that if he's good with me, I'm good with me. Your pursuit of the Lord can't be in the things that you do. It, it has to start with who you are. Let me, because it's not by works of righteousness, lest any man boast. We're not saved because of what we do. You're not a Christian because you can pray great. You're not a Christian because you can sing great. You're not a Christian because you can give a lot. You're not a Christian because of what you can do to offer the kingdom. You're a Christian because he loves you, and out of that, you're redeemed. And the problem is, is that a lot of people that are insecure try to do a lot of stuff because they, want, they feel like they have to make it back up to him. Like, I've done wrong, and so I'm going to do right by being better. But no, no, you don't understand. Like, we, we aren't better because we do good things. We're better because he loves us. And that's it. That's all of life starts there in learning to receive the love of this great, wonderful creator. And that's good preaching right there, I'll tell you right now. Okay, anyways, here we go. So, uh, so, so out of that... What I wanted to, to be able to remind us is that the right posture for our life, and I'm hoping that as I say it, it kind of like instills into your life, is, is one that David said. So as we pursue the Lord, I don't think that we're pursuing the Lord saying, God, I want to do great things for you like I do. I want to do great things for the Lord, and we're going to hear about that here in a second. Uh, but, but the right tone is this. Check this out. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Why? Because of all of life stems out of relationship with God. And I know some of us um, struggle with being great at prayer. Listen, learn to just get your heart. Teach your heart to want God. Teach your heart to want him more than stuff. And it will protect all of the stuff that he's given you. If you can teach your heart to want him more than, than fishing or hunting or the beach or your health or a relationship or finances or a job, then what happens is, is that he protects those things that's in your heart. So that way you can be better at doing those things longer. But David said that one thing I've desired of the Lord, and this I seek, to behold the beauty of the Lord. This all comes out of relationship. When someone loves you, the first response should always be, I want to love you back. I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. 
And so there are some elementary prayers, I think, that like we have forgotten away from. I, I, it's been really corny, but the last two weeks I've been singing um, uh, this song from years ago. And anytime, I'm not going to sing it right now. If you're new here, God has gifted me with some beautiful pipes to talk and not to sing. And so uh, anyways, uh, but there's a, a, year old, a song years and years ago when I first became a Christian that I remember hearing. It was talking about, I want to know you. I want to see your face. Uh, I want to know you more. Uh, I, want, I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I don't know. It's just something else. It was really cool. And um, but elementary prayers is like getting back to not what we do know but what we don't know in the pursuit of that. And that's why when we're pursuing a job, it's so adventurous because there's so much unknown yet. And I don't know if you realize it, but there's so much unknown in your marriage. There's so much unknown in your career. There's so much unknown in your ability to serve for his kingdom. And there is so much even more unknown in who he is. Man, I want to know him. I think it's the only thing that matters if we become complacent and bored spiritually, we will forget how to ask questions like, God, I want to know you and hear your voice. And I think that it can help you by hearing some of these things today, how to cultivate desire for Jesus in your life. Uh, point number three today is, and this is kind of bouncing around a little bit, I know it seems, but uh, the way that we pursue people, it matters. Because the scripture says that um, the love of the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor, that these are the two most important commandments, and everything in all of the Bible hangs on these two thoughts. Loving God with all your heart and loving your neighbor. I'm going to read you a verse here, and uh, yeah. Jesus went through all the towns and the villages in teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Let me stop there for a second. Right now, as I look at things that happen in the media, I see crowds. And generally, when I see crowds, I see chaos. And when I see crowds, I see lack of character. And when I see crowds, I see confusion and a lot of fruitless activity. Um, and what's crazy is often we have the ability to look at situations with judgment as if we can place our wisdom on the situation that I know what's best for these crowds of people. Has anyone else ever done this before? You watch the news and you have an opinion, right? And, uh, and I'm not saying that your opinion is not wrong, but what I love about what happens in this verse is that the way Jesus projects his opinion is actually with, first with his heart. Listen to this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so I, I, I want to be careful because I, I think that one of the most... Remember when Jesus said that they'll know that we're Christians by our... By our love for one another. They'll know that, our, or that we're Christians by our love for one another. I want to be careful, guys, when we get on social media and we project our opinion over mass groups of people. Because it really 
comes off out of anger or out of frustration and not out of influence. There's no leadership in what we're saying, and it's not actually going to help correct anyone. It's not going to create lasting influence, but when you make a statement, your, your opinion can be right, and it probably is right from a perspective. But what I'm challenging you as a leader is that think about what you say and use it with compassion to actually create change. Are you using compassion when you project your opinion about abortion? Are you using compassion when you project your opinion about uh, uh, race or politics or just stuff that's happening so fast. I mean, America is, is, is changing faster than I've ever seen. Our, I mean, like, we are moving, 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 moving into a whole new identity almost every week from gender, gender crisis to, I mean, just a lot of stuff that's, a lot of moving parts. Make your opinion with compassion because it does bring healing when people know that you care when people know that it bothers you. And now all of a sudden you have, a, you have, a, you have a, a, a pulpit where people will listen because they know that you care about the situation and they'll hear you more rather than voicing your frustration. Uh, as a leader, I know that I can walk into a room and say, hey man, this is terrible. And it could be terrible. But me walking into a room and saying and just voicing my frustration isn't actually gonna create uh, the right atmosphere for everyone in the room that's trying their best to fix something. But now I can phrase it in a way where I can still be right and have an opinion, but if I phrase it in a way that honors others, now people will listen. The way that we pursue people is important. And it's important to Jesus. It's important that the things I want you to remember that what's in God's heart is that God loves you. Now, he loves you and the same passion to which he's pursued you, he's pursuing Shane and Bill and Tony and Christine and your neighbor who's crazy and your mom who's crazy and your aunts, you know, every, like who's crazy. He loves them just the same. Please, let's not be better than anyone. Please, let's not be above anyone. Please, let's not be greater than anyone. Because I think in that we've missed it. Remember, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for crazy people. In whom Paul said, I'm chief of. Meaning, the dude that leads our church is the craziest one of all of us. So, um, who led our church? Uh, not me. Anyways, um, yeah. Um, in point number three, I meant to not dive into this too long because I want to say this just real quick. Next Sunday is, uh, is, is a pretty cool thing. There's a lot of neat things that's happening in our church right now. Um, our kids right now, like there's some cool things that's happening in the back room right now with, with our kids' church. Melissa is doing a, a crazy great job. Yesterday we came and we just had fun and it was awesome. And there's some change that's happening over there. There's some change that's been happening in our staff for a long time. And uh, like for several months now since, I don't know, uh, 
there's some change that's going to happen in the youth ministry here in our church. And I'm so excited about it. I'm so excited about Shaza and what's happening. And there's some change that's going to happen in our church over the next couple months. We're going to talk to you guys about it next week. Next week, we're going to talk to you guys. I'm going to share some prophetic words that have been spoken over our church recently and where our church is going and what's happening and the change that's coming. I'm excited about it. I'm going to talk to you guys a lot about it on a practical level next week and what it looks like to see people touched in our church. And so, um, man, I, if I get talking about it too much, I'll probably start crying. But I believe that next week is a week that you're going to want to be here and you're going to want to listen. Um, but we're talking about pursuit today. And I care about the longevity of the way we pursue Jesus, the way we pursue people, and the way we pursue the things that we love. And this is the reason, I'm going to try to, I'll close again, but I have a, a fourth point. And it's the way that the Lord pursues us. And the scripture says again, I'm going to read this to you. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And whoever believes in, in him should not perish, but have an, an eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I love that. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. And, and I think that people that get it wrong, the religious people, are the ones, like in the scriptures, it seems like the only people that annoyed Jesus were the people that walked around as if what they were doing was what everyone else was not doing. And those people annoyed the snot out of Jesus. And he had to kind of correct them with this. It's like, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, but he's not sending his son to condemn everyone. He's sending his son, actually, that everyone would have life. And it's a whole different focus. Like we can see, oh, if you don't love Jesus like me, then, you know, woe is you. But whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they don't believe in the name of God, the only son. And so all of this is based out of compassion, out of love, out of love, out of love, out of love. Let me, let me say this to you real quick. God loves you regardless of how great you are at loving him. And that's the reality of the gospel is that many times we aren't gonna pray tomorrow with the same amount of passion or fervency that we decided to today. We're not gonna make all the right conversations. Like I missed a divine appointment this week and I've been beating myself up for it all week and it doesn't make me any less of a son or any, any less of a, of, a, of a follower of Jesus. It just means I missed that one. But... Listen to this here. There's a cool statement. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 to 13. It says this. It says, if, th here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, then we'll also live with him. If we endure with him, then we'll also reign with him. I love this, like that long suffering. Like if we endure, we'll reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he can't dis disown himself. What I mean, what that verse means is that you have the opportunity, if you want to walk away from God, you can walk away. If you don't want to be in the kingdom and you don't want to be God's son and you want to go and do your own thing, I think God will allow you to do that. He'll allow you to walk away from him based on what this verse says. But what I also love is that he knows when you stumble and he knows when you fall and he knows when you're a goofball and he knows when you make mistakes and he'll never disown someone that can't get it right and wants to. And I want you to know that as a pastor, I, I, am, I am a follower of Jesus. I love God with all of my heart, and I get it wrong 
about every day. And I know that some of you also get it wrong. And when you're faithless, he is faithful. He's faithful to you because he is crazy about you. And I know as a father that my son always has room in my house. And no matter what he does and how many times he does it wrong, he's my son and I love him. And there is no one else on earth like him. He will always have room in my house when he wants to be with me. What I'm saying to you is that you have to know that you are loved because it affects the way you pursue God. It actually affects the way you pursue other people. And it will affect the way that you pursue your job, your career, and your friendships. You have to know that God loves you. And I know that we know this, and I know that we've heard it, and I know that we've heard it, and I know that we've heard it, and I know that we forget it, and that we forget it, and that we forget it, and that we forget it. Because sometimes we'll have a way where many of you will drive home from somewhere and tell yourself, I'm not good enough and no one likes me, and I can never, and yada, yada, and it's a lie straight from the pit of hell designed to prevent you from being who you're supposed to be, and that is loved and capable. He believes in you. You are the light of the world, and you're his child, and that is awesome. The hope of this message today is to know that I hope that um, all of us can learn to live life outside of insecurity based on the fact that there is a God that is for you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. Everything that you do, he is with you and he cares about you. And I hope that you can pursue him with consistency, not because of what you've done wrong, but because of the way he pursues you. Pursuit. Because everything in life, I believe, is an overflow of your heart. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads. And this may not be a life-transforming message. And, uh, and to some degree, I don't even... Hmm. My aim is that the Word of God today which is a double-edged sword, would pierce some hearts and rebuke the thought inside of them that would say that I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not strong enough, or I'm not good enough, or no one loves me, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm not yada yada, and you would understand the concept of being adopted. And that is, God picked you, He chose you, and He loves you. The creator of the known universe who made 100 billion trees thought of you, created you, and gave you life. And he is about you. He's about the calling on your life. He's about the plan that he has for you. And until you learn to rebuke every other thought that says you're not capable, it's going to be hard to do life confident of anything that he's calling you to do. First thing that he's calling you to it's not to go and do stuff, or not to go and love anyone, but to him. You are called to be loved by your creator. He knows all of your weird nuances and your humor and 
your attitude and when you get short-tempered and he made you that way. And he's not intimidated of it. Everything that we do is an overflow from being loved. Some of you were loved wrong in your childhood. Or there was a relationship that went south and it created a lot of controversy inside of you. We'll let those things go in order to be loved by God so we can love others. But everything happens, this is my close, from being loved by God. If you're here today and you would say that I struggle being loved by God. I'm not confident in my ability to pursue God or anything that I do for Him. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? I want to say a short prayer for you. Awesome, awesome.